Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. What's going on, everybody? For Cryptocurrent, my name is Stephen Miller, and you're watching, of course, Cryptocurrent Live, the show where we bring you the latest breaking news from the world of cryptocurrency and blockchain. Of course, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Richard Carthon. Richard, how are we doing? Man, we're doing all right. Uh, it's been an interesting time in the crypto world. Uh, we're still seeing some some red out there, some blood in the streets. But as you know, that's buying opportunities, uh, some... Uh, good opportunities of entry, but you know it still hurts the soul a little bit. But uh, it actually goes in cue with what we're talking about later. But how are you doing today? You know, man, I'm doing okay. I think that a lot of people are very much so in bear overreaction mode right now, um, and I think that honestly, they they're coming off of Thanksgiving after having told their entire family, their grandparents, their weird uncle, all of these people in their family about like how they're crushing it in crypto. And right. all those members of their families like went on Coinbase, bought themselves some Bitcoin and some Ethereum, thinking like, I'm going to ride it up with Richard and Steve. That's what I'm going to do. And basically, they don't understand the way that these markets work and are now panic selling because they're seeing red. So to me, I see it as that. It's very plain and simple. Granted, there's a lot more stuff going on in the world that could be causing it. I'm going to own that. But by no means do I think that we're done. I don't yeah. think that... like. This is even, I don't even think this is going to be the type of like mini bear that we had during the summer. I think we're going to see the rest of this kind of recover here shortly, but um, there's just a lot of uncertainty out there right now. Do you agree? Yeah. Uh, the, the fear and greed index, it's, it's strongly in the fear section right now. So uh, a, a lot of people very uncomfortable with all the red that they're seeing. And like you said, panic selling. So we yeah. will definitely unpack this a lot more in, in a minute. Yep. So look, if you are new here to Cryptocurrent Live, every single Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, we bring you the latest and greatest in crypto. So if you would like to stay up to date with us, please do us a favor. Make sure you're subscribed here on YouTube. And if you're re-listening to this via our podcast channels after the fact, please make sure you're following the show so you can get updated whenever a new episode goes live. We love to bring you this content, but we want to make sure that it's catered to you. So if you have something specific that you want to learn about in the crypto world, or you want us to expand on something we talk about on a Cryptocurrent Live, do us a favor, hit us up in the comments, or you can, of course, contact us via Twitter. My handle is on screen right now. Richard's handle is on screen right now. But for those of you that are listening to the recast, my handle on Twitter is at SteveMiller underscore PHX. And you can, of course, hit Richard at Richard Carthon. But Richard, as you said, we've got a really big show ahead. So let's go ahead and bring up the screens and dive right in. 
as you can see, this week, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, but we're going to be talking to you a little bit about what it means to hodl. So that's what we're going to get into in Crypto Decrypted. But before we do, we always bring you the latest news in... So like I said, every single Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, we always bring you Buy, Seller, Hodl, where we break down the latest news in crypto. And our top story today is something we wanted to kind of expand on a deeper level. And that is that both Coinbase and Ledger have decided to embrace the season of giving. So it's not all bad news out there. So the big piece of news here comes on the very first end, and then I'll all get into the Ledger stuff. So Richard, tell us a little bit about what's going on with Coinbase right now. So Coinbase launches its high interest DeFi yields in 70 countries. So of these 70 countries, they do not include the United States. So this is both exciting news and unfortunately, unfortunate news at the exact same time. But I think it's showing where we are headed in this crypto space. So the main reason why uh, Coinbase is not allowing these high interest DeFi yields just yet. It's just because they don't know how necessarily the SEC and Uncle Sam is going to treat these. So we're countries where they're a little bit more um, open to the idea of these uh, DeFi yields. Uh, they went ahead and moved forward with that. I think probably with the premise that if they can show in these other countries, here's how this is going to allow more people uh, abilities to get into DeFi able to put in, in and see their money, make money over time by, you know, being able to get some really strong yields. They can create the case study to come back to the U.S. and be like, hey, look how this is performing. Look how much adoption this has received. This could also be very beneficial here as well. Um, again, it has been very clear that the SEC is closely watching Coinbase and everything that they do and strongly scrutinizing a lot of their new steps. So they're kind of just being smart about new case studies and new things that they're bringing to the market by testing it elsewhere where they don't necessarily have to immediately uh, get have to worry about the SEC trying to mess with them. So I think this is a really good thing. I think this is really cool. As we look at a, a potential end of a bull cycle that we're experiencing and DeFi is going to be a pretty uh, attractive place for, for hodlers um, which we'll get into again a little bit later. And it's going to be a place where people can really see some of their money start to take off. So um, as, far as, as far as this news goes, uh, I, I buy this news. How about you, Steve? You know, I buy this news too. Um, I think that number one, it's going to do really great things for Coinbase stock. Um, so if you are a holder of Coinbase stock, just normal trading shares on the New York Stock Exchange, I think you're pretty happy with this news because they're going to make a lot of money internationally from this. Um, yeah. Very little question to that. But for me, I think that you bring up a lot of really important points there and you need to kind of play that back. This is a testing ground. This is Coinbase saying, okay, if the SEC is going to tell us how to do business, which is not the job of the SEC in the first place, we're going to take this idea that we have and show it around the world and see like what type of traction we can create, what the results are, how it's not necessarily going to directly compete with banks, even though it realistically, will pull a lot more attention away from banks. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting. So they are opening an opportunity here for the rest of the world. And eventually, they're going to show you know, good Gary Ginsler um, exactly what it is that DeFi earning can look like and why, it, in reality, the SEC is hurting the United States citizens by not letting them do this. So 
that's my take on it. I'm still buying it. But the big piece of news to me that is not necessarily a buy, sell, or a hodl, it's just really exciting to me, is all of these crazy announcements that we got from Ledger during their open conference last week. Basically, if you've ever used a Ledger hardware wallet, like there's a, a list of items that you've always wanted from Ledger. And Christmas came early for like everybody right now because yeah. every single one of these announcements is amazing. So first of all, big ones off the top have to do with FTX and Coinbase. FTX is officially going to be integrated into Ledger's proprietary software that they use for managing hardware wallets. So the wallet that you custody, you're going to be able to trade directly out of it using FTX in Ledger Live. That's pretty wild. Amazing. Then you go then you go one step further, right? Everybody in the US for the most part that is in the crypto world uses Coinbase on some level. It's a, the best on and off ramp right now. Coinbase is going to allow self-custody via Ledger wallets in the next like three months. So not just like via Coinbase, the regular app, but also through Coinbase wallet in your browser. So you can use Coinbase wallet in Google Chrome, in, Sa in Safari, I think even in Microsoft Edge. I don't know why you'd want to use a Microsoft browser, but you can. And in that browser, you can basically authorize purchases via your Ledger hardware wallet just using Coinbase wallet as a proxy. So that's really interesting. But Richard, you know this next piece is my favorite one. Yes. I am so excited that Ledger is going to add NFT compatibility into Ledger Live, not in Q1. They're going to be beta testing it right now in December. Let's go. Dude, dude this is huge. This is absolutely huge because every single like Ledger user has not had a, like a decent experience on how to view the NFTs that are held in their Ledger wallet. You know? So realistically, that's huge. But tell us a little bit about like the next piece of this because that's where we start getting into some other really unique concepts that are rolling out. So as we continue to go down the NFT space, Rarible is going to be integrated within Ledger Live in January of 2022. Again, Rarible is another big NFT play in the space. And it's really cool that they are getting this integration. Um, Ledger is going to add Crypto Life debit card in partnership with banks. So I think we've done some coverage of banks in the past. If not, we will do some in the future. But it's really awesome that you are going to be able to pay for anything that you want via your debit card that's coming directly from your ledger, like your cold storage. That is amazing. So this, is, this of course, is a brand new product for Ledger. They've, they're really, really hyped on this CL debit card. So honestly, it's going to be huge. They're first doing a, a flight test of this in Europe though. So get on the wait list if you're a European listener to the show. For those of you in America, this is coming soon. So go ahead. Sorry, Rich. No, you're good. The final is Ledger Nano S Plus coming in 2022. So I'm curious of what that even means because there's already Ledger Nano S and then Ledger Nano X. So what is this plus going to be? We'll, we'll, I guess we'll find out pretty soon. To me, from what I understand, is that the Ledger Nano S Plus is going to be like a bigger screen for you to utilize. It'll have an expanded memory. So it's not going to be quite to the level of the Nano X but it's going to be an improvement on the S. I kind of see it as like the Ledger Nano S is now starting to get like to the point where it, the future proofing is questionable. So they want to kind of phase that out from what I can tell. 
But if this is the road that we're going to, and they're acknowledging that, and they're open to changing and adapting in the new ecosystem that they're creating for themselves, I'm amped. Because that means that we're going to eventually see a larger screen device from Ledger. And that's what anybody that I know wants. Right? I mean, you've experienced this before for a ton. Like, Would you love to have a larger Ledger device that has a touchscreen? (laughs) Yeah. To actually be able to visit. Like, First of all, for those who have never seen an actual uh, Ledger... Um, I'm going to pull them out in a second. It is literally like a thumb drive. And it's, the screen is like this big. There you go. Steve is holding up on the screen for those listening. Playback. Come back and watch this. It is tiny. It is tiny, tiny. You you, you really got to zoom in to see what's going on there. So uh, I think having a little bit more screen uh, is, is, is definitely going to be more attractive. Yeah, man. Well, look, that's what we've got from Ledger and Coinbase embracing the season of giving. But there is more news. And of course, we like to break into non-fungible news. This one comes out yesterday. I called you yesterday when this broke. And I was so excited. Because Nike has announced that they're acquiring Art Artifact. You can call it RTFKT or Artifact. It's up to you. You know, potato, potato, tomato, crypto. Um, Anyway... (laughs) This is the biggest deal of its kind in the NFT space. It's never happened before. So Nike is basically saying right now that they're all in on digital wearables. If you're not familiar with Artifact, what they do is they basically have created a number of different digital wearables. So like you have digital sneakers that your avatar can wear in the metaverse. You have artwork, collectibles, tons of content. Now, even in the last day, they launched Clone X, which is their really, really high-end metaverse avatars. So really amazing artwork behind it, already rendered for 3D use in the metaverse. That's pretty incredible on its own. But because they're now going to have the full backing of Nike, it's going to expand what they can do to a whole new level. And I'm thrilled to see what they do with that. That being said, I tried to like read as much as I could about this on Twitter yesterday. And it's very clear. Reactions are super mixed. Like, think about it, Rich. Like, you have all these NFT hardliners. They right. are all about the decentralized future. They're pissed. Why wouldn't they be? Yeah. You know? And then, of course, you have the other side of it that is all the people who are new, who are from the primary centralized world that is totally okay with both. And they're sitting here saying, wow, this is a huge acknowledgement of the way that we're headed into Web3. So where do you sit on the spectrum? Because I think that you're probably between the two. You know, corporate world is going to come in and do what corporate world does, right? They're going to try to set up as much land grab as possible and then try to put up a fence and keep their people within. You can't do it to crypto. Like, I really think initially they're going to try to do that. And yes, they will potentially put up some initial walls, but crypto is too big to be contained. And I think the companies that come in and embrace what that future looks like, which Nike innovates, Nike gets... It, they're usually leading the charge on staying up to date with what is going on and perceived by the public eye. And, you know, I don't think they're going to come in and, and ruin too much. I think, of course, they're going to put their corporate stamp on there. But I think if they embrace the decentralized nature of allowing freedom to people and, and, and having their digital footprint on what's going on, I think they could come in and continue to dominate like they've always done. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that. Realistically, Nike being corporate is not a bad thing for crypto, 
but understanding exactly who are the big players in the space is a vote of confidence because it means that all of all the rest of corporate America is paying very close attention to those that have garnered, you know, streetwear type attention, right? Artifact and Board Ape Yacht Club both are what people consider like the supreme of the cryptoverse. So I'm not saying that all of a sudden Yuga Labs is going to get acquired and Board Ape Yacht Club is going to be, you know, the next Nike brand, but because it has the type of clout there is always that option on the table. So we'll have to see where that goes. I personally am very for this deal. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think there's a lot of other shady shit that was going on behind the scenes of this in the days prior. Um, you can go read into more that more if you'd like to. But um, to me, it makes a lot, a lot of sense why they had all the contract things that went on prior two days um, that were seen as issues in the metaverse community. So that makes sense to me. But yeah. let's go ahead and move this thing along. We're going to fly through the rest of this stuff for you guys and kind of give you a little bit of context along the way. Um, speaking of big corporate um, trying to step their foot in, Board Ape Yacht Club um, over the last couple of days was supposed to launch a play to earn game on all mobile devices. Like they were ready to deploy it through Android and in the Apple Store. Apple stepped in and gave the kibosh on it, said, nope, we're not supporting any decentralized play to earn games yet. There is actually a play to earn game on the App Store that's apparently flying under the radar. That is, of course, <laughs> Satan Arena, and nobody's doing anything about it. So I think it's more so clarifying that Apple has no interest in like the big NFT brands, but when they eventually catch on to Satan Arena, they're going to be in deep too. So besides that, you have a couple of really big partnerships that are starting to form. You had 888 Inner Circle and Gala Games announcing a metaverse partnership. That's going to be very interesting. I thought about whether or not we should expand on this one, but like, it's not funny. It's really shitty. Um, I'm not going to even get too deep into it. If you have more interest in, in figuring out what's going on behind the scenes of this, McDonald's, apparently, when they did their McRib NFT launch earlier this year, um, had some racial slur that was apparently logged onto the blockchain in a test transaction before they deployed. Um, you can go look it up. You can read all about it. But McDonald's clearly did not have their like ducks in a row before they did this launch, and they clearly had the wrong person in charge of it. So um, that sucks. But did you yeah. see this last the last piece about White Castle? So White Castle bought Ethereum in Cellobots, aka Cham's, and I think that is hilarious. I think that is on brand for White Castle, and you know. I'm, it's it's interesting to see some of these like older brand names that you know most people know start to like embrace the world of NFTs. Yeah, and for those that are not familiar with Salabots, aka the Seahams, um, it's an Artblocks project that was launched earlier on, I believe, this year. Um, it would have to be this year because Artblocks has only been around for a year. That's weird to say out loud. Um, but this project was launched, I believe, as an Artblocks factory drop by Sheyu Wu. And it's gotten like really, really ridiculous acclaim. Um, people love this drop. So I think it's really cool that White Castle is now custodying their own Ethereum and NFTs. I hope to see them ex like expand this in the future and start releasing NFT collections of their own. But we'll see. Into the final lightning round that we like to bring you through uh, before we carry on to Crypto Decrypted. Let's just run this back. Um, Richard, why don't you start us out? 
All right. So Australia to regulate crypto payments. They're brought in the definition of services and products in crypto. Firms that buy and sell crypto, including exchanges, must be licensed. Developing a central bank digital currency, a CBDC. And they have more than 800,000 Australians that own crypto, which is roughly 3% of the population. So, um, well, first country that's going very aggressively at it. Uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, you know, I... I'm I'm not selling this news. I'm kind of hodling it. I want to kind of see how this plays out. I don't know that Australia is necessarily going to be able to roll this out in as effective as a way as they intend, but the the world will find out. The eyes are going to watch because if they are able to regulate this and do a really good job, you best believe a lot of these other um, large countries are going to try to replicate the model um, and and try to add their own flair to it. So it's just interesting to see them uh, being as aggressive as they are with with bringing in the regulation. But also, as regulation comes in, it then means that institutional money can start to come in as well because now they have a playpen to play within. They know the rules that they can engage in legally without having to worry and look over their shoulder. So again, with regulation, it's not all bad. Um, but it also allows for larger money to start coming into play. Yep. And let's not get it twisted. That's the reason why this is happening right now. Like this has not been the priority in Australia's, you know, parliament or government, however you want to call it nowadays. Um, but getting this through has not been the priority. The institutional players that are massive in Australia want to be involved in crypto and want to make sure that the government gives them regulations and outlines to follow before they make that jump. So that's what's going on here. In the US, that would never happen because our government doesn't want to respond to the question, can you clarify some stuff for us? What else is new? Anyway, the big piece of news on this sheet to me actually is this WhatsApp story. So WhatsApp apparently is deciding to deploy crypto payments into their chat features. What you don't know, Richard, and I imagine you, you don't know this because you and I both use Telegram more than anything. WhatsApp is like the biggest messaging platform in the world. In the world. Yeah. So now, like, and I think that it was, it was what you had, Twitter had like a couple million or like, what was it? A hundred million users that now can do Bitcoin payments. Right. Yeah. So this is like a couple like 100 billion or like something like tens of billions of people that use WhatsApp around the world now can do crypto payments. This one is so much bigger than the Twitter announcement and it's totally flying under the radar because everybody's panicking right now. I think that's funny. Yeah. That's just- and, 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 and real quick, because I got to mess with you. I think the entire world population is roughly about 8 billion. So I'm going to go with about 3 to 4 billion. I think that is way underestimated. Like way <laughs> underestimated. Please do us a favor. Let us know in the comments what the world population is so that we can rub it in Richard's face for like the rest of time. The world <laughs> population is like in the way high, way high billions, dude. Like there's so many people on planet Earth. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like I get it that you think that like I come from the small world ride, but like the world is not that small. It just is. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Three final stories we need you to know about before we move on to Crypto Decrypted and get this show actually, you know, hauling some butt and moving along. Big, big news came out last night. Um, actually, it was two, two nights ago now. Sorry, I just nearly knocked over my water bottle. I get really pumped about crypto, if you can't tell. Um, this was a huge piece of news. If you're not familiar with the name, Daniela Sesta 
is the head, one of the like top lead developers from the Avalanche ecosystem. And he's you know behind projects like Wonderland Money, Abracadabra Finance, Popsicle Finance. And now apparently they've deployed a proposal within the SushiSwap ecosystem for his Occupy DeFi, what he calls Frog Nation, the people who follow you know, his work, to basically take over SushiSwap. That's crazy. But also last week, we covered this mm-hmm. piece of news for you. And you can go back and play that back. But SushiSwap CTO just stepped down in like a really unprecedented way. And Sushi's price tanked because of it. So the community is not ready to give up on SushiSwap because the vision behind it originally is something a lot of people are very passionate about in the decentralized world. Daniele plans on bringing that back and becoming the new visionary mind behind it and helping their team to really return the ship to course. I think that's pretty cool. Last two pieces really quick. Cardano officially introduced their ERC-20 converter to testnet. That means that any EVM-compatible blockchain project can now redeploy to Cardano pretty simply. I think that's going to be huge going forward. Clearly, the competition's ramping up. Last, last of course, um, Neo from The Matrix has decided to tell us that he now has a hodl bag of crypto. <laughs> Any take on that before we move forward? Because like, I think that's pretty simple. Hey, man. If John Wick has some crypto, I think that that is indicative of where the world is headed. Look, I'll leave it at that. I can, I can seriously trade references with you on Keanu Reeves all day long. <laughs> Like I, I was, I was really like teetering on the edge there. I was like, man, am I going to bring up like Neo from the Matrix, or am I going to go full build, like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Because I can yes. go any which way with that. Either way, let's move this thing along. That has been buy, sell, or hodl. If you enjoyed it, if you think that we missed something, if you hated it, let us know in the comments. We want to improve the segment for you so that you are getting out of buy, sell, or hodl and our news segments here exactly what you want. So. Without further ado, let's jump in to our favorite segment on Tuesdays where we get to teach you a little bit more about cryptocurrency and blockchain, and that is Crypto Decrypted. So this week on Crypto Decrypted, we are going to be breaking down a topic for you that you've at least heard 5 million times, but maybe you're not like fully sure about the concepts behind it. And that concept this week that we're covering is hodling. So Richard, why are, why are people misspelling the word holding? You know, I wondered that for a really long time. And then the interweb taught me that hodling actually stands for hold on for dear life. And someone put that, I think, once upon a time in a forum um, on Reddit. And it kind of stuck. And it kind of became a movement of, of the crypto world. And essentially what it's talking about is uh, another fun phrase to just bring in. It's called diamond hands. Um, so what it means to hold on uh, to cryptos through the peaks and valleys. So as much fun and as amazing as the crypto world has been this year with seeing you know exponential growth in price, um, corn marketization getting all the way up from you know first getting above 2 trillion, then going all the way up to 3 trillion. And then we're seeing it retrace back down to close to 2 trillion again. You have different projects that you should, you know, either be taking profit on or that it doesn't matter what the price is going up or down on, that you're ultimately holding on for dear life for a very long time, that you're holding on through a potential bear market. So what we want to break down right now in today's Crypto Decrypted is different ways 
of strategy around huddling and how it can be potentially helpful for your crypto journey. Yeah. And I think that it's important to also show the other side of the coin here, right? Pun intended. Diamond hands is the side of crypto and hodling that is strictly, we're going to hold everything, we're never going to sell. It's that yep. meme of um, Max Kaiser at Bitcoin 2021 up on stage saying, I'm not effing selling, right? <laughs> that's, that's diamond handing. The other side of it is paper handing. It's the people that are just like, I'm terrified, burn it all, right? Like I'm getting out, I can't, I, I just can't. I don't have the mental you know, wherewithal for this. So that is the two sides of this. We're looking at, okay, for those of you that are willing to explore this world of hodling, keeping diamond hands, what does that mean? And what are the limitations around it? Because beyond just like, you know, what can you do? This construct is not black and white. It's not like you either hodl or you paper hand. So the first big one that you want to talk about, Rich, is that you really are allowed to take profits even if you're a hodler. Like yes. you can do both at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, a, a prime example. So at the beginning of this year, um, or even just depending on what investment time horizons look like, let's say that you had put in $1,000 into uh, Bitcoin at um, $30,000. Oh, man. Okay, fine. 30. Okay. Or, you know, you know, we'll say last year. Let's say you got in and somehow you got lucky and you got in at 20000 right? So... Uh, and last around last December, you got in at literally twenty thousand dollars. So, Bitcoin has gone all the way up close to seventy, you know, around sixty-seven thousand dollars, and is back down to around three something. Um, but along the way, you potentially have could have taken some profit. So, for example, your initial investment of a thousand dollars when it was at twenty thousand, when it hit sixty, now that means you have three thousand dollars. So, one. One way that I look at potential investments is the rule of three. So basically, once I potentially get to a 3x, I take out my initial investment. So why do I do that? One, that means my initial investment, I, I can't lose money. I literally can't lose money because the money that I put in, I'm ta I've taken out and the rest of it is purely profit. So even if I were to lose all of that, I've already taken out my initial. Now, the reason why you would potentially look at taking some profit, taking out your initial is now you have $1,000 to reinvest into other opportunities or to go into other things while you still are letting the rest of your money work for it, right? So you can huddle onto that other, let's call it $2,000 worth of profit if it was at 60,000. And now let's say from there, it then doubles and goes to 120. So now you have 4,000. If you then want to take profit again and take out another thousand, now you've technically made $1,000 in profit and you still have more money that uh, you're letting work for you. So again, there are ways to take profit while having a HODL portfolio. Yeah. So and again, if you want to learn more about some profit-taking strategies, please go into our highlight reel for Crypto Decrypted. We have a playlist all about Crypto Decrypted topics. We did a video on um, different profit-taking strategies. So it's an important idea to make sure you have in mind. But you can take profits and hodl. Important to understand. The next thing that I think you really need to like think about is a different tweak on what it means to hodl. Right? Because when we talk about hodling, it's like, okay, hodl means forever. Wrong. Hodl does not mean forever. The goal of investing money is to make money, correct? Always. Yeah. So to me, I have started 
shifting my perspective kind of towards something that is oftentimes heard of more in the IPO world and traditional equities, which is the idea of a lockup period. So when you invest in an IPO, typically you get in at the starting price and then that amount of money that you've invested is locked for a period of time. You cannot sell those shares for a certain period of time. In the crypto world and translating this idea is saying, okay, what is my time horizon? When do I plan on, pull, on cutting bait if I'm going to cut bait? So to me, typically, like I won't look at something for like at least a quarter, right? So we... Okay, it's three no, months. Exactly. It's no secret that Richard and I both put some like fun money into Wonderland uh, Finance in the recent weeks because we talked about it at nauseum like three times. But when we did that, we both pretty much were on the same page that like, okay, this thing needs to bake. It's a DeFi protocol. You need it to go. You need it to run. You need to let the printer do its thing. So in that case, I said, okay, three months. In other situations, if it's something that's like a large cap, I sit here and I say, okay, I'm going to reevaluate after six months and see where the market's at. So setting these types of lockup periods into your own strategy that you document with all of your investment material that you keep, because I advise that as well, keep a docket of what you've invested in, but log those you know, individual pieces and let them be your checks and balances as to whether or not you need to take profits then, you need to reevaluate, or if you just need to let the thing sit and say, okay, I've got three more months on my um, lockup period before I can really evaluate this. So that's one of those things like a hodl can take place on a month, it can take place on three months, it can take place on six and even beyond. Um, so that's one other piece of the fact that like hodling cannot just be black or white. But this is one that I know you're really passionate about and that's scaling your hodl bag over time. Can you tell us how you would go about doing that? So let's say you find this amazing project, right? You feel really good about it. Like you do the research, it makes perfect sense. And uh, you think you find a really good entry price. So you get in and it goes up after time. You know, you're up, you know, a couple of percentage points. Maybe even you've doubled your money, but you, you know, you're hodling. You don't care. So you haven't taken any profits. Then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it goes back to your entry price. Next thing you know, it actually goes 10, 10% lower than your entry price. So does it mean that your project no longer makes sense? Does it mean that it's now invalidated? Does it mean that uh, your conviction has now dissipated? It might. Maybe it changed. Maybe you're like, oh, I thought it was a good idea. Maybe it's not. But if you still have that conviction, if you're like, oh my gosh, like, no, I think this is still an amazing project and I think it's extremely undervalued, that is when you double down, triple down, or whatever it is that you are comfortable with investing because now you've basically are able to, because you, you've already proven it will go up. Usually when you have a price and it goes in and it rises up at some point in the next cycle, and let's call the next cycle anywhere from six months all the way up to four years, it typically retests all-time high unless you're in a product that ultimately is not building and trying to get to the future. And, and, and with those, unfortunately, sometimes you lose. But if you at least see that, hey, it got up to this point, there should at least come a point where that, that number is retested, then that means you're literally getting to get more of that at a discount, at a really, really good price. And so it's okay to scale that hodl bag, get a little bit more, because then you know that, hey, even if it doesn't go back to the all-time high, even if it goes to a quarter above this, but I went and bought more, when it gets back to that point, I can take some of that profit and now I can use that profit to either get into other projects or 
Um, again, you can continue to scale in. It's up to you. It's up, up, it's up to what your risk tolerance is. But just because your huddle back, you see their entry point, your point, and your entry price is the original price that you buy in at a particular project. Because those people that, that doesn't mean that you are terrible, you don't know what you're talking about, whatever. It all it potentially means that you now have a prime opportunity to get in at an even cheaper price so that as it rises up again, you can literally make it twice or triple or whatever much more um, at that um, at that time. And that's also to say that like you can do this on the other side too. You don't just need to scale your huddle bag when the prices are going down. You can DCA up as well. You know, right. it's these are all just decisions. There are no mistakes in crypto. There are just choices that have different outcomes. So understand that you can scale by both DCAing up or down. It just depends on how confident you are in the project that you're hodling. So the next thing that I want to get into is safe and secure hodling, right? Because there is this misconception like, okay, I'm going to buy my crypto and I'm going to buy it over on exchange and I'm going to hodl it. Well, realistically, if you're going to log out of Coinbase, you're going to log out of FTX or Kraken and just leave it on exchange. That is not safe and secure hodling practices. So there are two things to be said about this that I personally think are really good ideas. And the first of which is DeFi being the place where you can set it and forget it. Rich, can you expand on this for a little bit and explain how this is still a safe play? So you find these projects where they allow for staking um, and high yield APYs, and they also have what's called like yield farming. And what you're doing is locking up your crypto to provide liquidity to the market and also to help stabilize the price of a particular coin. Because if you know you're locking up a certain amount and there's a, a finite supply of a particular crypto, then that means there is a short or there's less potential uh, cryptos and supply out in the market to be bought. So that means you're helping to stabilize the price. It also means you're potentially helping to manage and, and help the price appreciate. And because you are doing that, that is allowing you to be earning yield um, aka getting more coins or tokens back for locking up your uh, crypto. So there's a lot of different ones out there. For example, the, the easiest way and one of the first ones that was out there to the public was Tezos. So on Coinbase, if you had some, coin, some, some Tezos and you're letting it just chill on Coinbase, you actually earned an APY. They were consistently buying you or, or giving you back uh, Tezos. So Tezos hasn't had like some super huge explosive um, price um, over the course of the years compared to some of the other alts. It still has done very well. You know, you could have gotten Tezos last year around $2. At some point, it got all the way up to $8, so a 4X at some point this year. But regardless, if you had some over the point and you were getting some of that staking, you were getting some of that um, APY back, you were also making money on top of your money for just letting it sit. Because if you, if you knew in your head and your time horizon, hey, I'm not going to touch this for at least one year, well, you are literally letting your money make you more money by doing nothing. And so there are safe and secure ways that you can utilize some DeFi staking, uh, yield um, forming type of opportunities to allow your HODL portfolio to make money on top of your money. Yeah. And also, that's not to say that you can only do that through Coinbase. Our next point under like what it really means to safely and securely HODL is that you can do this by self-custodying. You don't have to just like deposit your stuff into a crypto bank because realistically, that's what Coinbase is in a lot of ways when you're staking with them. And I think it's even that way when you do it with Celsius. But 
beside the point. Like for certain DeFi protocols, you can stake directly from your um, hardware wallet if you self custody your assets on a hardware wallet address. In our case here, with what we talked about with Wonderland Money, the assets never leave your wallet. It's simply that you are letting the protocol lend against those assets, and it rewards you as time goes on. It's a it's a wow, can't talk a continuous perpetual addition into your wallet. And it's all direct. So it's not like, you know, you're depositing it onto Wonderland money and then coming back and saying, can I have it back, please? No, you have it. You can go trade on those assets as they come in. So really important to say there. But the bigger, more important thing is, is this message of self-custody. Because in a lot of ways, there are different mechanisms for self-custody. You can go through a hardware wallet. You can go through a software wallet like MetaMask. Or you can go to a much greater degree of like using a Genosis safe, which is a multi-signature wallet. So you have to have a signature from multiple places or multiple people in order to let you have a transaction ever take place. It's a great security protocol. But in doing these things and making it more difficult to actually transact, you are making hodling easier on yourself. So even if you're not using it for DeFi, the way that you choose to like store your crypto will make it easier for you to maintain this HODL mentality. Um, just a really interesting piece to be thinking about. But let's move this thing forward. And I want to make sure that I'm being as corny as, corny as possible for our friends that are over the age of 50. Um, Kenny Rogers had a very, very brave um, quote back in the ancient times um, that he was a musician. And it said, you got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them. In this case, you got to know when to hodl them and you got to know when to foddle them, I guess. Cut um, <laughs> yeah, you got to know when to cut bait. Like that's, that's what this is saying. Okay, Kenny Rogers was known as the gambler. In crypto, I can tell you a lot of it really is gambling. Richard can tell you a lot of it is gambling. A yeah. lot of it is gambling. A lot. Right? So the truth is, is like if you're in a hodl mentality about something and all of a sudden it just gets dumped to oblivion. The very, fir like, the very first altcoin that I ever bought, this happened. So I sat there and was like, well, it's going to recover. Three months later, it's going to recover. Four months later, it's going to recover. It never recovered, folks. I hate to break it to you. It never recovered. So you need to know when to cut bait. In my case, I learned that lesson the hard way. But if you think to yourself, okay, market conditions have changed, you need to know what it means to cut bait. You need to say, okay, I'm going to take my loss. I'm going to move forward. Richard, do you have any recommendations for the audience about when the right time to cut bait is? So this becomes very tricky as it for me, as I talk about hodl, like a hodl bag, a true hodl bag. So a true hodl bag to me are typically your top cryptos or they're emerging alts that like, you know, that's just going to take time to build out. You know, it's going to take one, two, three years before you really see that exponential return and you're fine with just waiting that long, right? Um, and, you know, in some crypto or not non-crypto markets, traditional assets, you know, you you wait a significant amount of time before you really see a lot of that money start to appreciate. 
In crypto, we're just spoiled because we can literally see an ungodly amount of return in a a short amount of time and people lose sight that they think that's normal. (laughs) It's not normal. So as you look at coins that are in your HODL portfolio, so my time horizon personally for a HODL portfolio um, that I truly am hodling, and I'm talking years. We're not, we're not in, in this scenario for me. I'm not talking years, and I, 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 I'm not talking months. I'm talking years. So for for those, um, I like to give it at least two years. If you get a hodl bag, um, actually, I'm gonna change it to two point five. The reason I change it to two point five is at any point in Bitcoin's history, I think it's it's either two point five or three point two years. At any point, if you had bought Bitcoin and waited that long, so yes, it's a pretty long time. You would have at least made. You would have at least broke even and then made money. So it takes time. It truly takes time. Now with some of these other ones where you're like, all right, I have a six month horizon, I have a three month horizon, a quarter horizon, um, and you're like, okay, I got it at this price. I've only seen it go down, and I need the liquidity. I need this money to go into another project that I see is doing well, and I think it's going to be even better. Might be worth time to cut bait to then reinvest it into something else. Or, and this is a really big one for me. So I think of like a HODL portfolio as a crypto 401k, aka I'm not looking to touch this for a, a long time. Let's call it, for, for me, it's at least five to 10 years. Um, whereas like, you know, in real life, your 401k, you don't touch until you're in your 60s. Um, so for me, I'm waiting a while before I even think about taking profits in it. Um, simply in my in my true long-term HODL portfolio, I'm not thinking about taking profits. The only reason I would do it is if I needed liquid cash. If I need money, that's that's my savings account. I can go get it. I can go pull it out and I can go take care of life when life happens. Ideally, I don't have to touch it and I don't want to touch it, but it's there. Most people in the world do not have a savings account that they can go get, that they can actively go and tap into. So like this literally could be your first savings account that is going to have a super high rate of return for you that you always can go tap into if you have to. And I would venture that your regular 401k's ass, you just give it some time. But again, it's all in time horizons and strategies along that. How about you, Steve? Like, how do you look at that? So I look at it a little bit differently. And I think it's because a lot of this comes down to your level of risk tolerance. Um, And I, I think that's just an important thing to be mindful of whether you are looking at a HODL portfolio or you're looking at the short-term investment. You need to know what your tolerance for risk is and you need to cover your downside. What I mean by that is like you need to say to yourself, okay, like if this thing drops off, what percentage am I comfortable with it dropping off before I'm gonna just say like I need to take the L? Um, in a lot of ways, for people that are not comfortable self-custodying because they think they're gonna lose all of their money. Because like, again, there's a lot of security that you have to keep to self-custody properly in the right way. Those people can make that decision to keep it on exchange. In a lot of ways, they're actually able to limit their risk. Because if you keep it on an exchange, you can simply set a stop loss, right? You can go into the exchange and set a sell order at the level that you say, okay, if it hits this level, I'm out. And at the very least, I know if it hits this level, I will get the money back that I'm comfortable losing. So to me, it's about understanding why you, you know, would keep it where you're going to keep it in terms of the money. Uh, but that to me is, I think, as much as we should go to today for hodling, 
But before we wrap this, I want to give people a perspective on like what we consider HODL material. So the first question is, what is in your HODL bag right now? And I don't want you to go too deep. I know that you, being a DJ and casino lover, have tons of different properties and tons of different coins. Give me your top three HODLs right now. So my top three is number one is Bitcoin. Um, I personally am not selling, transacting, doing anything with any of my Bitcoin for it. A minimum of 2025. So, so I got again. I started heavily getting more and more Bitcoin around 2019. I said I wanted to wait at least five years. So I just put it at 2025. I don't even have a consideration to sell any of my Bitcoin at least until 2025, and then I'll evaluate. Um, my next is Ethereum. So I have to use ETH for just different altcoin transactions, but I have a certain amount that I have stored to the side, and I'm not touching it because I really think that ETH will continue to thrive. And in the event that it doesn't, I will take profit. I have no problem. I'm probably putting that closer to a two to three year horizon because if ETH 2.0 doesn't get figured out, you can see some real problems real soon. But if it, I mean, if they figure that out, then like, man, this thing's going to continue to soar as well. So that, and number three for me is um, I've slowly started to um, accumulate some Solana. I, I really am, am bullish on Solana. Um, I have a ton of DGN casino picks. Uh, that I'll only give you one. Um, the only DJ Casino one that I'm going to tell you about is Jigstack. I still genuinely believe Jigstack is super undervalued. I think they are continuing to make really good partnerships. They are just launched on the Polygonmatic uh, project. They have a ton of things in the pipeline. Their community is very alive. I man, I, I really think for a DeFi project, it has it has so much upside. And you know, if I'm wrong, I'll eat it. If I'm right, it will change my life. So those are those are four for you. How about you? So one final thought on Jigstack for you, um, just for the audience to give you perspective. Rich is saying that he has a HODL bag in Jigstack. And comparatively to the rest of the market, Jigstack's market cap right now is something to the tune of $10 million. Most of the time, like that is in his HODL portfolio, but the risk level when you have a a project that has that small of a market cap, like that is super high risk. I'm yeah. not telling you not to do that. And Richard, I'm not telling you that you're wrong. Don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is, is that if you want to have a HODL portfolio perspective in your investment strategy, you need to understand your risk tolerance. Richard understands his own risk tolerance. He has one or two plays that like boom or bust, he's HODLing. I think it's really wise. I think Jigstack is a great play. I think especially in the long term, it's a great play. But for me, my HODL portfolio has recently changed. And that is a really important message on its own. Your HODL portfolio can change. Yes. For the longest time, my HODL portfolio was three things. Bitcoin, Cardano, and Chainlink. Only one of them are now in my HODL portfolio. This should be breaking news to anybody who listens to this show like on a consistent basis, because I have long been a massive Cardano bull. However, I think that there's a lot of barriers to developing on the protocol right now. And given the time window that we have in the rest of this market, I have since stepped away from considering Cardano a HODL bag position because I took profits and I've decided like it's just time to be more aggressive right now. So I've stepped out of something that has a lot more stability baked into it. My auto portfolio right now is Bitcoin, 
for literally every reason that you just said. Um, and it will continue to be my hodl long into the future. And also I've made it really, really hard for myself to sell my Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> I, I own ballet crypto wallets, which are like practically Bitcoin bearer assets. Like you can buy these physical Bitcoin wallets that look like a gold bar or like a silver bar. <laughs> so and, extra. And it's, dude, it's super extra. But like, it has so many layers of like security baked into the product itself. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant. And it's from the um, creator of Litecoin's brother. He runs Ballet. And their system for securing it all is incredible. Do yourself a favor. Go look that stuff up. And also, Bobby Lee, if you were ever listening to this, please let us know. We'd love to have you on the show and interview you. But these products are brilliant. And it's made like me touching the majority of my Bitcoin damn near impossible because you need these these bearer assets basically to and to like actually scratch off and redeem it after you've deposited your Bitcoin into the, the address. The other two that I'm currently hodling, um, never thought I'd say this out loud. Um, really, I never thought I would say this out loud until recent months. Um, one of my hodls is XRP. Mic drop. Wow. Like, I, I am at this point so convinced that the SEC does not know what they're doing, that XRP is going to walk out of this lawsuit in Q1 and it's just going to go crazy. Like the type of documentation I've been reading, like you have companies like Goldman Sachs that are like backdoor doing deals with XRP and setting up payment rails. It's flying under the radar because everybody's still focused on the SEC case. XRP is a really big deal. And the price suppression has been there. I just personally believe in this thing long term right now. I think that the course will correct. Um, I have two others because you and I decided to be really aggressive about Wonderland. Um, I'm technically going to consider that a midterm hodl. Um, so Wonderland money is a midterm hodl right now. You got to be thinking about those DeFi you know, gains, man. Like the, the type of APY you're getting in Wonderland right now is just dumb. It, oh, it's, it's stupid. It, it's broken is what it is. It's so... Oh, it's dumb. It's like... You remember like the different cheat codes that you could pump into like GTA and like all of a sudden <laughs> like super, super, super rich. Like yeah. you're just walking down the street like buying golden guns and stuff. Like that's like what Wonderland's doing. Um, yeah. Granted, they're not getting great press right now because of the stupid FOTC um, committee meeting that happened today with the Fed. Um, more on that next week once we have actually have the time to digest it. But um, either way, like, there's no mathematics scenario where that doesn't pan. And that's the thing that's insane to me. So Wonderland is in there for me. And the other one right now, I didn't think I was going to keep it as a huddle bag, but I think I am. And that's ENS, which is Ethereum name service. The, mm. the one that did the um, airdrop a little while ago and made everybody really happy. Very happy. I don't know, man. I just, there's something about that project, the leadership behind it, the community. The community is absolutely rabid for that project. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Um, but, oh, yeah. ENS, ENS makes Ethereum like addresses so much more convenient. And if we ever want the real world to enter crypto in a meaningful way, we need ENS domains. Pretty simple, <laughs> right? So that's my hodl port, my hodl bags. But look, that has been an extended version of Crypto Decrypted for you. 
Um, if you enjoyed the segment and you thought that what we brought to talking about hodling is a valuable piece of information for you, please do us a favor and give this video a like or write us a review on our podcast platforms. We'd really, really appreciate that. But otherwise, if there were certain questions that you had, do us a favor, drop it in the comments below. Or of course, contact us via any of our social platforms and we'll be glad to get back to you. But before we go for the week, um, actually for the day, because we'll be back on Thursday at 7pm Eastern Time, shameless plug. Um, we have one more segment that we like to do for you where we give you some more picks that we think need to be on your radar for the next week and even beyond. And that, of course, is blockchain bets. So you know the story by now. Every single Tuesday at 7pm Eastern on this show, we bring you at the very end of our hour, some picks, some projects with upside. We give you a blue chip, a blue chip pick that is a coin or a token that exists in the top 50 in terms of overall market cap. We give you a pick from the mid cap zone, which we quantify as the market cap number 50 position all the way down to 300. And then we get dirty. We'd get into the DJ and casino picks, everything from 300 onward. So right now, Rich, the market is gross. So how in the world are we going to make good picks right now? That's, like, that's the first thing before we even give a pick. How is it that we're thinking about this this week, given the fact that it's just blood? So in my head, the first thing you look at is who have been the biggest losers? Because you got to imagine you can't just keep falling off the edge of a cliff into perpetuity. At some point, you got to bottom out and find some support. It's got to happen. Um, and as we've been seeing like for the last two weeks, a lot of uh, retest of levels of support, uh, there, there have been some, some, some standouts. Um, but you also have some that are right now, even while the market is seeing blood in the streets, who are going up and appreciating. And you have to be like, well, why are they going up right now? So if you can find some that are not necessarily exponentially going up, but sustaining, and then ones that have just been absolutely crushed, those are the ones to be looking for because you're like, okay, these are buying opportunities. And it, again, depends on your strategy in the overall market and what you believe and what you are willing to be convicted about, right? Conviction is a huge deal here. So I think that you and I both agree, like our, our first round of picks in the blue chip is who are the biggest losers? So tell me about <laughs> your biggest loser. I got excited. Sorry. Tell us about your biggest loser. Got, got excited. So Tezos has uh, had a rough one last week, but this week has actually been able to um, sustain. So again, Tezos is one that my huddle portfolio. And I recently took it out, uh, one, to actualize gains, but then two, because I thought there were some other opportunities that had a higher exponential opportunity uh, for, for upside uh, in a shorter amount of time. So Tezos is having a lot of... So recently, uh, if you look at the uh, Formula One and who won, uh, Red Bull's one of the sponsors. And oh, look who is also a part of that. You have Tezos. And I believe Tesla is also in a lot of other like niche places where I think they're either working with um, Ferrari or Lamborghini. I need to go fact check which one it is. But they are not... They, they, and historically, they haven't done a lot of really good marketing. They haven't really been putting themselves out there. They've just been working extremely hard on the tech. And now they're starting to really lean into how do we market this? How do we get this in front of more people and do it subtly and get into some niche places? So I think they're being really good about that. And the thing that I like about Tezos is that 
even though it has been crushed relative uh, to its all-time high, it's it's just this like over the course of time, it's just it's just steadily going up, man. It's just steadily going up. Its eyes aren't too high, its lows aren't too lows. It's just slowly climbing. So um Tezos is gonna be my pick for next week, I think, because of its sustained just um ability to just hang out at the levels it's at right now. I think it has an opportunity to have a good week this next week. Well, I gotta tell you, man, you know how to pick a loser. Way to go. Um, <laughs> my pick this week um is something of like this old mentality, like, okay, you have this person who's just like entering the fighting leagues, just finally ramping up and like right when it gets to this like crescendo point where like the breakout's imminent, all of a sudden the big guy comes out of the shadows and just punches him in the teeth and he just totally eats it. I don't think that this guy is going to stay down. I think he's going to get up. And this guy, of course, is Polygon. Um, There's a lot of reasons for why I'm a fan of this project. There's a lot of reasons why it is going to rip into the new year. Um, the foremost of which is like you have to understand from a fundamentals perspective, looking at the team behind it, looking at everything that Polygon plans on doing and how they're creating scalability on Ethereum, they're doing it through ZK rollups. And ZK rollups, like without a doubt, is the most efficient way to scale Ethereum and honestly to scale damn near any protocol out there. So both for DeFi and for NFTs, scaling is necessary. And I think that we're going to see a mass migration to Polygon probably in the next couple of months, especially as we start to get more news about what Ethereum 2.0's rollout timeline realistically is. If we see a pushback, a lot of these protocols are moving to Polygon. Now, from a technical perspective, Polygon on the technical side of things has been trading in a channel since like, July. And that channel has been really apparent. And right now, it is tapping the bottom of its upward trending bull channel. That is the perfect time to buy whenever you're looking at um, the technical side of things if you find a channel trading coin. So to me, I think Polygon's a clear buy right now. Um, What do you think for mid-cap this week? My mid cap is going to be Thorchain, aka Rune. So it has, you talk about getting punched in the mouth, it's been getting punched. And um, again, what they are creating is interoperability and allowing for projects to be able to talk to each other across different different um, chains. And uh, we had Eric Voorhees a long time ago, uh, a while back on the show with Shapeshift and a lot of what they use underlying is on uh, Thorchain. And I think we're going to see a lot more companies start to adapt that and, and use Thorchain as a way to, to bridge across all of these various platforms. So again, just from a fundamental side, that's what I'm looking at. The other just technical side, it's getting decimated. And again, as far as entry points, good places to potentially look at getting into a project at a discount, I think this is it. And I don't, I don't know if it, I mean it might keep testing a little bit lower to some uh, other levels of support, but once it finds its bottom, it's gonna go back up. Um, it's a matter of time in my head. Steve, I don't know if you muted yourself, but we can't hear you. I mean, I was giving some like really heartfelt TA on um, Thorchain, so like, sorry guys, I'm not repeating it. Um, <laughs> It's really undervalued right now. That's the long and the short. But 
my mid cap this week is probably the metaverse project that I'm most excited about right now, which is MetaHero. MetaHero like went on a massive run through the last couple of weeks because like it was getting crazy, crazy good marketing exposure. It was on most of the primary YouTube channels. But even back before that, like getting to understand the fundamentals behind this project was nothing short of a treat. They are going to be doing some of the coolest stuff in terms of like giving people the opportunity to create their own avatar in the um, metaverse spaces, literally by doing full body scans. Um, like the tech that they have is from Sony. It's phenomenal. Like you have pillars that they're setting up to do full body 360 scans to render 3D versions of you that you can go and play with in the metaverse. So you are yourself in the metaverse. Um, beyond that, there's a ton that they're doing. They've got great partnerships, a shitload of revenue, a shitload of VC funding. I am all about MetaHero and I think they got punched with the fist that is their token icon. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity. But let's jump to the DGen Casino. What roulette wheel or blackjack table are you sitting at this week? Looking at KSM Starter. So this is a project that... Um, from the launch of its ICO, got to a price point of above a dollar, um, and it's I think sitting around like fifty cents. They are doing a lot of work right now on the Kasuma chain, and and actually recently announced that they are doing one of the first um, initial IMOs, which is initial metaverse offering. So they are really trying to be a trendsetter. They're really trying to be at the forefront of all the latest innovations as far as launch pads go. And I think it has a lot of upside. And again, another one that's been really, really, really decimated and I think undervalued for what it's ultimately going to be. And so I'm looking at KSM Starter, KST. Awesome. So my DGen pick this week um, honestly shouldn't really come as much as a surprise, um, though I have not once talked about it on the show. If you know anything about me, I really love the NFT world. I think that NFTs are the future of a lot of different content creating ecosystems. And Super Rare focuses on one of one art. Super Rare is the go to in one of one art. That's not going to change like anytime soon, especially in the Ethereum world. So, like, as Ethereum 2.0 rolls out, Super Rare is not going anywhere. There may be other innovators, but they're the first mover. They have the advantage and their chart looks great. Like, if you're looking for a project that is just primed for a breakout, this one is sitting in a really good position to bounce. I like the trend. Um, I like the fact that there was a really aggressive looking cup and handle if I don't remember if I remember correctly. Um, but in any event, I'd even consider looking at like acquiring a pretty sizable bag on this one and just holding it because it's low cap, ton of upside, smart team behind the scenes, and I think they're also going to be making a couple more announcements on token utility going into the future here shortly. So my pick is going to be super rare for the DJ and Casino. But as you have it this week, our picks are rounded out. In the blue chips, we got Tezos and Polygon. In mid-cap, we have Thorchain Rune and MetaHero. Then we have KSM, Starter, and Super Rare in the DJ and Casino. So if you enjoyed any of these picks or you want to tell us about your picks, we'd love to hear about them. Get at us in the chat. Let us know in the comments. We want to make sure that we're covering coins that you want to hear about in the future. So please let us know you would like to hear about as well. But that's going to do it for blockchain bets. Let's quickly talk about what to watch for before we head home. What to watch for. 
we just have a couple of good final announcements for you. Um, those, of course, are what you have to watch for in the week ahead. And next, not in the, in the next week, but this week, we have two phenomenal interviews on deck, first of which came out yesterday. And that is, of course, Aram Hami from Glitch Finance talking about reinventing money markets. Richard had a great interview with him. And then also this upcoming Friday, um, although I'm probably going to butcher his name, Abhishek Singh from Comdex, who is talking about democratizing the commodities market, is coming on. And Richard, I know you had great interviews with them. I'm not going to ask you to go too deep. Would you say these are 5, 7, or 10 out of 10s? Oh, both were 10s because they're very unique projects working on very unique um, opportunities. And especially the, the commodities one, because a lot of people in the traditional finance world, that's a lot of them start there. And they're basically trying to bring that into the crypto space, which is awesome. And just to speak really quickly to, to the, the, the first, they are with the uh, money makers that they have going on. They have so, first of all, such a great community. They all come out and they have, you know, NFT plays, they have money management plays, they have ways that you can earn uh, yield. They have a great layer one protocol that does like $3,000, 3,000 transactions a second. It's super, super cool. Yep. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that Glitch also just had a huge cash injection from a VC. Oh, yeah. Glitch is, Glitch is out here. Like I was super fascinated by like what they have going on and what they've already been able to accomplish. Yep. No doubt. Well, look, guys, that's going to do it for us this week on Cryptocurrent Live. Again, like we always tell you to do, please do us a favor. If you've enjoyed the content, like, comment, subscribe. If you want to re-listen to this content in your car, on your commute, at your desk, just know that we also release this episode about two days after on all of our podcast platforms. So you can go and check that out on Tuesdays for this... Not Tuesdays, Thursdays for this show and Saturdays for our Thursday show. Of course, tomorrow morning, we have a brand new segment of Basics with Chris K. You will enjoy hearing more about that later. But that is going to do it for us here at Cryptocurrent. We hope you enjoyed this one. And always make sure that you stay Cryptocurrent. We'll see you next time. 